Hello everyone and welcome to season two of Dream Reality. Dream Reality is a podcast series where we really focus on the SME or SMB, depending on where you're listening to this, community and really focus on growth. So how can we help your business to grow? What kind of hacks? Do we have anecdotes and little stories that can help you now that you're in the growth mindset to grow your business? So today, I am very excited to have Phil Teer with us, and he runs Squarefish, which is, isn't that right? Squarefish, yes. That's the one, that's me. That's the one. I just had a bit of a mind blank there. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, okay. And yeah, so he's here to talk to us about growth, a little bit about his experience as an entrepreneur. And hopefully he will blast us with a million little golden nuggets that we can take away to help all of our businesses. So, Phil, over to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, well, firstly, thanks so much, Alison, for having me on. It's great to be here and chatting to you all. Uh, Yeah, so I'm Phil. I run a little company down in Cork here called Squarefish. We're a little team of eight down here. And what we do, we do angel investing and business partnerships. It's a little different from, your, your, I suppose, your normal angel investing uh, company. Uh, lots of, what, why does it exist? Why do we do this? Well, lots of founders I speak to, they'd love to spend all their time and effort just concentrating on their core function, the core reason, the core function of their business, the reason they start the business. But inevitably, as a founder, when you're running your own company, there's a thousand things that keep pulling you in a thousand different directions. And it's like, I started my company to do this, and I get to spend like 10% of my time doing this. And that's it. And the other certain time I'm chasing around doing all sorts of things. And not only are they different things, not the reason I started my company, but they're not necessarily in my field of expertise or more my, more my passion, you know? I, and you're getting dragged off into things like tech or getting dragged off into marketing or how to negotiate, how to write contracts, how to hire staff, how to find accountants and deal with lawyers and all these other jobs that you just have to do as a founder, but they're not really the core function, not really your mm-hmm. passion when you start the business. So... It's almost as if the ideal solution would be to have another founder, another partner on board who that is their thing. That's what they love. That's why they get out of bed. And that's what they do all day, every day. And that's us. But instead of getting one founder, one extra founder, it's like getting an extra founder with about eight arms and 10 legs because it's me plus my full team. We've got eight of us here. I've got like a digital marketing team. I've got a tech team. We've got business side and we've got loads of us. We put investment. We bring cash to the businesses we invest in. And we just get stuck in like a giant multi-armed founder and get really, really involved in the businesses. So that's what we do. Been doing that now since 2010. Years disappear, 11 years of it. And so far, so good. Going very well. So that's me. I'm Phil. And that that's Squarefish. Already mind-blowing. And I think that what's nice because I <laughs> do know you. There. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> what, what's... Uh, I think what's really nice about what you do is the way that you approach the angel investing and the, you know, and you approach the founders because it's not necessarily, you know, when we when we hear the term startup, we all think of okay, the tech unicorn or something like this. But you're really looking at, you know, the day-to-day businesses that have potential for growth and things as well. It's not just those you know, the high potentials are the ones that's going to be in the newspaper or on the news. And I think that that's a lovely niche for your business that I don't think is talked about enough. So I love that. Yeah, I completely agree that it's not talked about enough. And yeah, it's our niche. It's where we've ended up in the market. And I absolutely love it. We focus, for want of a better term, on your regular 
normal businesses and growing them. That's that's what we do all day, every day. And I love it. I'm not really that involved in your, as you say, your tech unicorns, the things that you hear about on the news. That's not our specialty. That's someone else. We are your regular, solid, great, everyday businesses. Take those, strap a rocket pack on the back of them and grow them as hard and fast and well as we can. That's what we do. Um, and I love it. And I'm completely with you that I don't think people talk enough about how great regular businesses are. There's almost this fallacy. There's this fallacy in the startup world that the first thing you need for a startup is you need to have a great idea. And I'm like, no, no, you don't need to have a great yeah. idea. The best way to make a successful business is to go and look at another business and go, ah, I see exactly what they're doing. All I need to do is open my shop next door to theirs and just make it a little bit better and a little bit cheaper and kaboom. You've got yeah. a successful business. You're just replicating, replicating, improving is by far the easiest way. And the vast majority of businesses here in Ireland, and I, I would like to argue across the world, they haven't invented anything new. They haven't invented anything new. They're just doing a better job. Like one guy invented the motor car and everybody else has copied the car and is just making them and it's doing fabulously well. And one mm -hmm. person invented the computer and everyone else that makes the computer didn't invent the computer and they're doing fabulously, fabulously well and good, good on them. And I love that. I love that mindset. So there's, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with coming up with a great new idea, but for every great new idea that makes an absolute fortune, there are hundreds, if not thousands that failed. It's high risk. It's high return. It's a lot more difficult to do it's like going for the lottery win and i'm not betting no honestly i'm not betting my my career on winning the lottery but i mean people do win the lottery every week someone wins the euro millions but that ain't my business strategy i'd much rather have regular normal businesses and you can do wonderfully well growing and driving those and that's that, that's kind of what we focus on and we love to support them because i always feel that they're almost left out if i have a future tech unicorn there's loads of supports and there's loads of kind of government organizations that are like here to drive you. But if you're like, you know what, I want to start a new plumbing company, a new solar panel company, a new business that already exists, then it's like this world of silence in your supports. Mm -hmm. and, and that's where we are. That, that's kind of where we fit into the startup ecosystem, I suppose. That's what we love doing. I love that. You know, you're totally preaching to the converted here because, you know, for me, I think that these enterprises, they, they are the foundation of the economy. They are. And I They're think the that without basis. these, there's no economy. These are the people that employ the people. They're the ones that pay the wages. They pay the taxes. You know, they build infrastructure. And I think that without them and without the support for them to continue to foster and to grow, you know, then we're, we're, we might as well shut up shop. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Good, good. Good, good. I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. So imagine I'm a business. I've got a great wee plumbing little company. It's me and my yeah. mates and we want to grow. We, yeah. we offer, we know that, you know, it's hard to get a plumber to do those small jobs. Mm -hmm. And we think that that's our niche. We'll do all those little small jobs with our network. What do I need to think about? So what does a business that knows they want to grow can see the potential of growing just not sure what they need to do next what would you recommend okay all righty let's unpack there's a whole load of things if you want to grow a business the first thing i think is to keep in your head the, there's multiple different areas of your business you need to grow and it doesn't really matter what the business is it can be your tech business trying to take over the whole world and become ginormous it can be i'm just having a bakery a regular normal bricks and mortar business or anything anything in the middle um 
if I laid out three areas, I would say you need to grow your products, your systems, and your team, your people. The individuals need to get better. And when I say grow the people, I don't need, I don't mean necessarily just more of them, but they need to grow. They need to upscale you. And that includes you yourself as the founders. There's those three. There's the products, there's the systems, uh, and there's the actual individuals all need to grow. And if I had to say one that's neglected, I would always say it's the people. They're always neglected. People think, right, I want to sell twice as many products. I need to make my products a little bit better, or maybe I need to improve my marketing. But me, I'm already perfect. I don't need to get any better. I'm I awesome. Perfect. What yeah, are you talking exactly. about? How could you, you get better? I'm brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And I see it all the time, especially in founders. I mean, I include myself. I, I'm the worst. For, I'm the worst for this. That you know, also entrepreneurs tend to be quite extreme on the kind. You know, if you had the personality spectrum, we're, we're not average joes people that start companies we tend to be quite quite left field um and therefore I like to think of it as just a little bit special a little bit special that's much better than my description isn't it we're special yeah we're not we're not the nutters on the end we're special that's good um the and what what we tend to find is the one thing we forget about in growth is is ourselves. like my team here i have monica kind of what's the word a fairly I'm fairly almost draconian. I'm really on top of them about change, change. Okay. Growth means change. It sounds ridiculously basic when you say out loud, but so many people miss it that if you want to be bigger and better next year, it means next year you need to be doing things differently to what you're doing them this year. Things have to change. That's the whole point. If you keep doing what you're doing now, you'll keep, you know, if you always do what you always do, you'll always get what you always got, as they say. Uh, if you do the same now, you'll get the same output next year. So it means it's not, when we say growth, what we really mean is change, doing things better, but that, that means doing something differently. And that includes yourself, your own skills. And you as the founder is where it starts and you lay out the full, you know, everybody kind of follows you in terms of your work ethic, your, your mindset. So me, when I'm running my companies, I've got to continually improve. Every month, I need to sit down at the end of the month and say, am I better? Am I leaner? Am I meaner? Am I sharper? Have I changed something about my working habits? Have I learned something new? Have I researched? Am I just now a better founder than I was a month ago? And if the answer is yes, boom, I'm on my way to growth. But if I'm the same, if I'm the same, uh, I love the thing I love to keep in my head is the idea that in business, if you stay the same, the whole world will walk past you. Your rivals are not staying still. So being me, working in the same manner as I used to work last year isn't staying still it's going backwards because all my rivals are gonna toddle away toddle away past me so when we're saying thinking about growth um coming back to your initial question yeah products there's three separate areas and we've got to grow all of them products systems and individuals and I'm gonna guess for most people the weakest one is the individuals it's not about just increasing the size of your team they need you need to give them the tools the training the upskilling to make them better and that starts with in my case, me, me as the founder, I need to be getting better. I need to be upskilling too the whole time. Do you find that um, that that's kind of, do you find that you're leading by example by doing that when they see that you're constantly evolving and you're constantly learning and you're constantly developing as an individual that um, creates a positive environment for your team to follow that and keep take that same mindset. Do you think that does it? Absolutely, it does. But you almost, in my experience, you need to do both. You hundred percent need to lead by example. But to lead by example, it means you need to be public about yeah. it. There's no point if I'm learning things on my own and I tell 
nobody, if I'm not shouting in my megaphone, then they won't know and they won't yeah. feel that leading by example. So for example, on our business, we just changed last week how we back up all our data. We changed from an old data backup system across the company, how we share information to a new one. And that's a little one that I've instigated. I was chatting to the whole team. I was like, there's now a better way to do it. Technology moves on. Our old solution two years ago was the best solution. Today, it's not the best solution. So for the next three days, I'm doing nothing but rearranging and organizing how data flows to the company. Kaboom. And it's done. So it shows that idea. It's really showing an example of how I stop producing type work. I stop the day-to-day -day work to make things better. That's what I do. But if I did that quietly without telling the guys, um, then they wouldn't necessarily see that example. So I do it loudly. I do it with my my megaphone. Yeah. Uh, with all of them, you, you know, as, as they say, when you're managing people, you get what you reward. So I'm very conscious with the whole team that they get reward when they when they stop working to upskill. I you know I really speak to them regularly and say I don't want you working every hour of every day just producing work because that means you're staying still and it means mm -hmm. the whole company's going to walk past us. So every week you need to make sure in your calendar there's some time with a big circle around it saying for this amount of time I'm not working I'm getting better. That's what I'm doing. I'm researching something. I'm improving our company systems. I don't mind what they do as long as it's not producing work, as long as it is getting better. It doesn't have to be tons of it. It can just be an hour. It can just be two hours. Just say, mm -hmm. no, for the next two hours, I'm reading about newsletter marketing techniques. I'm going to go and find out what the latest, the latest flash is on that and make sure our newsletters are the guys that do newsletters. Or I'm going to go and research some new thing in AI for our heavy tech guys. I want to just learn more about that. And that's what I'm doing for the next two hours. I don't mind what it is as long as it's not real work. But for me as a boss, I need to be very careful that I'm rewarding that. Yeah, because most of us as, you know, when you are the boss, you have a team below you, you tend to reward your team for producing work. And you say, well done, you've produced loads of work this week. That's really good. <laughs> and if you reward that, they'll never go and upskill. They'll never train. They'll never spend that time going, you know what? The whole team uses, I don't know, this antivirus. But, you know, I just read about that antivirus. Let's go and change it to a better system. That will never happen if you don't reward it so that's that, that's what i try and concentrate on and then i say my team i've got there's eight of us here at squarefish but then i have all the companies that i work with as well so we try and kind of roll it out to them as well we try and bring that mindset it's my job because it's, it's no good if it's just our company that's doing this all the clients all the people we work with all the partnerships we want it to roll out that mindset to them so we work with them we work with their teams we mm -hmm. work with their founders to continually upskill, improve, drive, drive the growth, drive the growth through improving the people and improving the systems. That's what we try and try and lean on with them. So you've you've you know you've touched on a lot of things there. You know, really about people and making sure that they're learning and constantly changing, and just staying up to date with the latest technologies, whether it be an antivirus or you know just something anything, new that's in on the anything market. in absolutely everything. Yeah. So. Is there some other way? How could you, you know, formalize that? Because, you know, business is always fast paced. And you mentioned at the start, you know, you create a business because you love to do a certain thing. But then when you're the business owner, your time doing that certain thing decreases and you end up doing all the yeah. other stuff as well. So how would you recommend an SME owner to keep up with the constantly changing environment or how do they set their pace? I see. I see. Yeah, it is. It's a really interesting challenge. And for those that, I mean, I, I've 
I've worked in entrepreneurship kind of my, my, my whole life. I set up my first company when I was 23. So really, I've always, I've always worked for myself in significance. You know, I've always done this type of thing. Um, but for people who have had kind of a, a job first, then switch to starting a company to becoming a founder, it's quite a mindset change. And you do need that big switch. You do need to be that big switch. And the first thing I'd always say is for people to keep that really in the front of their head that this is the deal that we've all signed up to business change. And in business, uh, another thing I love to keep in the front of everyone's head is there's, um, there's, there's no reasons don't matter in business. Reasons don't matter at all. Okay. You can give me a thousand reasons why you haven't changed, why you had to stay as you were last year. And I'm like, great. That's completely irrelevant because your competition have gotten better. So you were number one. Now you're number five because you didn't change. The reason you didn't change is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. And that's definitely one of the big switches when you come to being a founder, when you work for somebody else, you can say to your boss, the reason I didn't get that done was I got run over yesterday. So I didn't have a chance, whatever it is, boom. And your boss goes, that's fine. But imagine I own my own little coffee shop. Boom. I'm ill today. So the coffee shop is closed for the day. People don't come and put their two euros 50 in the door. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? If it's closed, it doesn't matter why it's closed. It's closed. The business doesn't work. And that's all there is to it. Reasons don't matter. And it's the same with pace and growth that you have to grow you have to change. You have to do things differently. And the reasons why you're not doing it are irrelevant. Either you do it or you don't do it. And that's, that's really, so that's that first mindset that I love to do. How do they set their pace? It's for me, it's a question of allowing yourself enough time. When we start, we are everything from the CEO to the person that sweeps the floor and everything yeah. in between. You do the whole shaboodle. And what tends to happen is you tend to get stuck for no real logical reason, doing lots of hands-on jobs. And I, I, I was talking to um, in fact, a company called Invest in You was talking to the lady that runs that. She yes. had a wonderful saying about continually removing yourself. As a founder, what you should do every day is get up and just remove yourself from jobs that don't need to be you. Mm -hmm. Outsource them, get more staff, train more staff, whatever it is, especially in this day of, you know, Upwork and Fiverr and all these places where you can just grab freelancers just to do a yeah. few hours on this and a few hours on that. If it doesn't need to be you as a founder, just keep taking that job off your plate and giving it to someone else because there's nothing that you do as a founder that's more important than change, than yeah. growth. Like I, my job, I always feel in my company is for everybody I work with, my own team, plus all the clients I work with, my job is to make all of them better. That's what I do. There should be nothing on my to-do list that isn't making them better. Maybe it's training. Maybe it's upskilling them. Maybe it's giving them tools. Maybe it's giving them investment. Maybe they need more cash. Whatever it is, they need techniques. They need systems. They need better products. Whatever they is. But my job is just to make them better. And if, if there's something on my to-do list that isn't that, it's like, okay, that doesn't need to be me. That should be someone, someone else. It's very easy as a founder to get caught up in things that are low value for your mm -hmm. own skill sets is going to actually know where do I bring the most value to the business? It's driving, it's driving change. And if, if the thing on my to-do list isn't driving change, someone else, someone else, it's better value that someone else does it. And I focus entirely on driving change. It's giving yourself that time and that mental headspace because you're not chasing the day-to-day -day jobs. You've got the mental headspace to say, okay, right. Yeah. I, I can think about this. I can, I can sit back, can lean on the back of my chair and go, okay, let me look at everything. What's the weakest link? What, what's the one bit that's slowing me down? It's that one. And if I may, let me give you one more to think about is growth is always about the future. It's never about today. Mm -hmm. So you'll see businesses. This is quite a common pitfall among kind of like, let's say small, medium size, like businesses with 10, 12 employees, maybe up to 20, this, this type of size that 
my order book is full. I'm really busy. Therefore, I don't need to invest in marketing. Ooh. Or because I'm already busy, not I don't need to invest in marketing. I don't need to invest in improving my systems and change. But no, the, the, the growth work that you do today is for next year's order book. It's not for this year's order book. It's for next year's order book. So you'll get business almost go in cycles that they get complacent on their peak and then the crash comes and then it's too late when it comes. I've seen that before. I've seen them. I've seen business come unstuck because they haven't invested in marketing because they think I'm, I'm really busy. I don't need more marketing. No, but marketing's for next year. It's not for this year. Are mm-hmm. you really busy for next year? And if the answer is no, you need to be spending today. And sometimes you need to turn away good business this year because you need to give yourself enough time to do your marketing yeah. for next year. You can't be, you can't spend 100% of your time turning out products. And it's the same with growth and systems as well. People who are too busy to improve their systems and they come, they come unstuck. And sometimes you can say, no, I just need to turn down a little bit of business because I know that really behind the scenes, all the background systems, I'm just hanging on by my fingertips. And if there's a, even the smallest bump in the road, this house of cards is going to come down. And COVID's yeah. been an amazing reckoner and leveler for that. You can see the businesses that had resilience mm-hmm. built in, that had planned, that had the system to cope with the change. And those that just, you know, literally on the first bump, the first day, the first bump, it just, it just fell down. So it's watching out for not becoming almost complacent when you're having a great year or a great season or however your business cycle goes, that growth isn't about this year. Growth is about, the future so not to kind of conflate the two there we go oh yeah sorry i'm uh no it's great it's great and i think that you know i think that the 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 advice that you're giving there in the little situations it's so um i think the time management thing for the business leader especially it's something that's so hard to do because you're, you're so conflicted. And I it's something that I definitely recommend to my clients of just blocking off, you know, half an afternoon a week just to think. And yeah. it's just, it's amazing yeah. how many people don't. And they're just reacting, reacting, reacting. But you really need to take that pause and do some planning and thinking. Otherwise, you're just going to be like that. You know, you're just going to be in today and you're not going to grow. So you yeah, mentioned yeah, one pitfall there of um, not marketing. Do you have mm-hmm. any other quick, um, we just have a few minutes left, mm-hmm. um, but any other little recommendations or any common pitfalls that you see on top of the, the marketing? Yeah, yeah. There's quite, there's quite a few that I see when people are too busy. <laughs> so I'll try and keep the list reasonable. Yeah, marketing. Yeah, I'd say that first one, marketing's for the future. It's not for today. It doesn't matter if your order book's busy today. Marketing's about next year's order book. Um, back house systems. When businesses grow, they often just scale. Okay. So mm-hmm. imagine I have five staff and suddenly my orders double. I go, brilliant. I'll hire five more. Now I've got 10 staff. Isn't that good? No, you've just doubled your current system. But when things grow, your systems need to involve, evolve. They need to improve. Okay. Uh, it's your new systems don't just need to be bigger. They need to be better. They need to be different. If you go from having one accounts person in your company to two accounts people to three accounts people, it doesn't work if they're all working like the first original one. You need different systems. You need mm-hmm. different software. You need different training. Suddenly there's a team of them and they need to coordinate. So you've almost got like a sub team within your business, which you never had before. How do sub teams work? Have you trained the head one to run two 
underneath. It, it's different. It's different. It's not scale. It's not just increasing volume. You need to continually improve your systems. There's that one. Um, it's a very interesting debate, actually, on how much. When I'm talking about systems, I'm talking about all the backhouse stuff. So imagine I say we've got people, we've got the products, and we've got the systems, how you deliver the products. And that's everything from kind of logistic stuff to how you do your accounting, to your HR records, to all those backhouse day-to-day, unexciting, mm-hmm. but massively critical that you just need. Um, I'm talking about all those systems. And there's a perfect level of investment, not too late, not just scaling. Okay. I've seen businesses come unstuck because they just keep throwing people at it, but they haven't improved the systems. And then those cannot cope with bumps in the road. Okay. Uh, That's where they tend to come unstuck because there's not enough oversight. There's not enough flexibility. It's not enough speed. Um, The other one is over-investing. I've seen that before. And I've seen businesses come unstuck uh, where basically people build systems, assuming that theirs is going to be the next unicorn. They've over-invested. They're like, right, I'm not going to launch this product until I've got a million units in stock because I know it's going to fly off the shelf. And they didn't get a million orders and they've come unstuck. Now, the business would have worked perfectly if they'd kept their systems at the appropriate at the appropriate level. So a lovely saying I heard once from a, uh, from a, from a gentleman who worked in telecoms, actually, he ran a telecoms company. He said, you should always sell it first. Now, he was maybe a bit extreme on it. He said, sell it first and then work out how you're going to make the product afterwards. Because there's no point making the product if you've got nobody to sell it to. Yeah. And, this is, and I was like, well, maybe that's a bit extreme, but it's an interesting mm-hmm. mindset that if you've not enough sales, all that work you did on your systems is pointless. So there is a right, there is a right level. And it's guesswork, it's judgment, but a lot of first-time founders, we all overvalue how great our businesses are. We all think our products are better than everyone else. Like, that's all right. But to me, I've spent years working on this. I think it's amazing. So I tend it's easy to overestimate and build giant systems. So there's this perfect balance. There's this perfect balance in the middle that's always well worth well, well worth treading. Oh, yeah, very good. So I think, and I think that, you know, one one maybe caveat to that is there's a perfect balance, but that perfect balance is always evolving as your business oh, evolves. 100, so, 100% change, 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 yeah, speed of change. There's yeah, nothing definitely. static. You know, there's people never, think that business is static, but there's nothing static about business. No, no, it's pace. It's change and it's pace. And a lot of competing, you know, the old, when I'm yeah. competing with my rivals is really about who is the fastest, who's the yeah. pace of change. Like there was an old, um, uh, allegedly an old Facebook motto back in the early days of move fast and break things. I think that was their motto was something like that. And that is, I know it's quite, some people might say it's quite extreme, but I would believe in it. Pace mm-hmm. is everything. And you need, don't, I, when I'm like dealing with, you know, new, new companies, I often tell them, don't sweat it trying to predict the future because you'll never get it right. When people are like, what exactly should my product be? What exactly is the perfect kind of market fit? What exactly should be my pricing model? I'm like, listen, I've been out this donkey's years and I never get it right. And this is your first rodeo. So you're even less likely to get it right. So we're wasting our time trying to guess. Get it roughly right and move fast. Get your product out there, get it in the market. And you'll suddenly be like, I thought I was going to sell all to category A people, but you know what? Category B people love it. And my pricing model, ah, it's, yeah, it's not quite right. Rearrange, rearrange. Your no business plan survives first contact with real customers. So just get it, get it about right, get it out there. And the way to win the competition is to be the fastest guy, to be the most responsive pace. It's about pace. It's about pace of change. Yep. Now, for you as a founder, you need to get all your team 
to buy into that. Okay. Yeah. So it has to be a company culture. You has to be from day one, from how you recruit, from how you train people. It's about pace. It's about change and it's about taking risk. And that's okay. You need to reward your staff for making mistakes. That's what you, I, I, that's what I say. Okay. It's extreme. Mm-hmm. But I tell, for example, we do a lot of web development stuff and I have all the team fully brief that I want to find mistakes in the websites. If I can't find mistakes in the websites, you're moving too slowly. Okay. If the websites are perfect, you're going slow. And mm-hmm. being fast will bring more to this marketing campaign than being, you can be, you can be fast with mistakes or you can be slow and perfect. Yep. Fast with mistakes will get more sales. Yep. That's what it is. And that's what we're after. We're not here for pride. We're here for getting that phone ringing because, oh, pride is a terrible thing. It gets right wrapped up in business. Oh, that's another, we'll do it. We'll do a three hour one on that another time. Yeah. We'll go crazy on it. But for now, I'll, I'll just skip that one. Um, but pace it's all about pace and pace means mistakes and that's absolutely fine i have my team briefed that i want to see mistakes and Mm. when i see mistakes i reward them you know i say listen that's good i don't mind it was a mistake because that means i know you are right at the cutting edge you are pushing the limits of how Mm -hmm. fast you can make these changes and making those changes to the product to the price to the marketing to the tech to the systems pace is what is going to make us win more far far more important than perfection you've got that balance of quality versus pace and pace is the trump card pace is the one you go for get your products about right get your price point about right fire it out there and then you learn your lessons and it's about whoever can adjust fastest boom that's that that's how you win the competition in my experience anyway sure i'm just one person with my own subjective two pence worth but that that's what i i believe in and that's what's worked for us for a a good few years anyway now a good Mm -hmm. long time we've been at it fabulous look um last question Mm-hmm. This podcast is called Dream Reality. Mm-hmm. And so it's really about if you, if the stars and the planets aligned and you were, you know, you could have things in the perfect way, how would you see the kind of SME, SMB ecosystem forming in the future? And then the caveat to that, what do you think the reality is going to actually look like? Okay, okay. What would I love to see in the future? Let's get all yes. fully idealistic, right? So when I was a young fella growing up, I grew up back on the Isle of Man, and entrepreneurship wasn't a thing. It wasn't a done thing in education. When you were in school, when you were studying, when you were getting your careers advice and going off to university, it was all about getting a job. It was never about, there was no culture of there's another option. There's another mm-hmm. option working for yourself and myself. I'm a huge believer in it. And I don't, it doesn't really matter what you do, what career, what direction you go. I think self-employment, uh, not necessarily taking over the world companies, even just small little companies are very satisfying. I think they're great for the world and society, but also great mm-hmm. and very, very enjoyable for the founders. So that's something I would love to see. Is it just getting more and more ingrained in the culture right from an early age yeah. saying, no, you don't, you don't need to work for somebody else. There's another option. Uh, you can work for yourself. You can make your own company to get it really ingrained because lots of young people I find are almost fearful because they see it's all new. It's all different. They've never been told they can do it. Yeah. And the people doing it are old. And we all stand up. We put our deep voices on. And we're like, oh, I'm going to wear my suit. I'm very, very clever and very important. Don't call me so old. Uh, I'm only speaking to myself, only myself here. Sorry. <laughs> That's the end of this podcast. Never coming back. <laughs> But imagine you're 18 coming out of school. Imagine you're 21 coming out of university. It's very intimidating, confusing looking 
looking world out there of entrepreneurship and business. And it's only when you eventually take that plunge, you realize that nobody else here knows what they're doing either. We're all just making it up as we go along. That's what we're doing. We're experimenting. We're firing products out there and some work and some don't work. And some we price perfectly and some we price terribly. And some of our systems are great and some of our systems are awful. And we just learn. We don't, we don't know what we're doing. We're making it up as we go along. So I would love it if it was just more of an open thing for the whole world to do for younger people to just go, you know what? I've got an idea. I've got a passion. I'm just going to go make my business. That's what I would absolutely love to see. Um, the reality, the reality side of it is, you know what? It's positive. Maybe I'm sitting here with my roasting spectacles on, but I see things moving. I do see things. It's more of a culture than it used to be. It's mm -hmm. moving in the right direction. There's an awful lot more businesses around than there used to be. There's an awful lot more small businesses around than there used to be. There's many, many, many markets that have been disrupted where you used to have a giant state enterprise is a great example. Yeah. And they've now got broken up and now there's more and more competition in even some industries where you would have had ginormous companies and they've come all the way down to now yeah. little mom and pop shops can compete in what was a state run mm -hmm. industry business. So it is moving in the right direction. I wouldn't necessarily say it's there. I don't think there's always the supports and the opportunities or should I say the encouragement yeah. laid out there for, for everybody, including younger people say, listen, just give it a crack. None of us, none of the rest of us know what we're doing either. So don't be put off. Just, just give it a go and see what happens. Uh, but it's definitely moving in the right direction, which I think is amazing. Amazing to see. I have to say it's really good. Fabulous. Fabulous. And then lastly, I always ask for a couple of recommend recommendations and okay. I did prompt you for this. So do you have a book or a podcast that uh, you like to recommend or just really makes you think and ponder? Yeah, um, there's always one. If people say, right, what should I read? There's only one book in my opinion. Oh, there's one standout. Um, Dale Carnegie, the old classic of How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's a very famous oh, name that okay, we've yes. all heard of. Movies by the title of it. Um, and it gets almost a bad rap because the name. In today's parlance, it's like, oh, that's how to manipulate people and con them, isn't it? But no, it's not at all. What are we talking, 1910, 1920, something like that was written about that in proper kind of, you know, old school, Wall Street, yep. New York, that type of feeling. It's an amazing book. It's just about people. It's about how yep. people work. It's about how to motivate people. It's about how human beings work. In my, I'm a huge believer in it. We're all, we're all cavemen. And how people reacted 5,000 years ago, how people reacted 100 years ago when that was written, how people mm. react today, it's all the same. The, yeah. the tools, the means change, but our motivations, our fear, our greed, our passions in life, our enthusiasm, our high days, our low days, that's that's innate in humans. And it is an amazing eye-opening book for anybody who's running a company. Because if you don't understand people, there's no way you can run a successful company. You have to understand people and you have to understand how hard it is to understand people like i'm still learning and i still class my category in the rubbish I'm, I'm still in the rubbish at it category after many years and reading many books and listening to many podcasts but that is the foundation that is the one i would always recommend anyone who runs a company go and read that one first it's amazing oh. okay great recommendation oh, and then something for a little bit of fun if you're having a tough day or you're just a slump or low energy what is your go-to song yeah, you prompted me. That was interesting on the music. When I was really thinking of that, you know, for a man, I used to do an awful lot of music as a young fella. Uh, for a man, I did an awful lot of music. I rarely listen 
So I had to really think, I was like, what, what would I go to? For me, it would be something ginormous. It would be something grandiose. It might be. Um, Verdi's Requiem was the one I was thinking about the most. Very different to I imagine what you're expecting. Something, something like that, that has this scale and romance yep. and passion. And it's just ginormous and it's yep. all encompassing and it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And it's that, because I think, especially in what we do, which can be quite full on and stressful, it's quite good. It brings you back down to a realistic scale because you hear the enormity and how someone's put so many years of their life into creating one yeah. work. And there's so many people that have to come together to make this one thing. You know, you might have a hundred people in a choir and a hundred people in an orchestra and some soloists and a conductor and all this stuff just to make this, this one thing. And these, I think are quite almost inspiring, but also they really bring you, bring you back down. It's like, oh yeah, well, I'm not really worrying about much. Am I? I've only got a little team and a few little people. It kind of psh, brings you back down into, mm-hmm. you know, sensible proportion, I suppose. Yeah. So yeah, something very different there, but something I absolutely love. Wow. That's, that's that. Uh, do you know, actually, I, uh, I always ask people about the song question and it is every single time I go in with kind of something in my head and they blow me away. <laughs> it's, never it's, what, it's never that. It's always something it's different. It's never what I expect. So it's such a great, enlightening um, little insight into your, into your world. Phil, look, thank you so much for today. I think that's well, absolute you, pleasure. We've got no, it's, some, it's great to be here. It really is. Uh, I'm very glad to be asked. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, it was really super. It's, uh, you know, such great nuggets on how, where to place yourself, what to be thinking about. And yeah, it's you've been incredibly open and honest throughout of it, and we're really, really thankful for that. So my pleasure, my pleasure. This is Dream Reality season two that everyone has been listening to. If you like it, please tick the stars and give us a review and share with your friends. Thank you so much.